off there. Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. <laughs> Featuring Rob Sapp and Chad Cuddy, Cuddy Quinn. As we, as we look back at episodes six and seven, excuse me, five and six of the, yep. Jordan, of the documentary, episodes five and six. Um, Start off. Like, <laughs> I can't. Uh, <laughs> we are in for a long. So, before, before we get. No, real. Don't do it. Don't do it. I was messing with you. Don't do it. Don't do it. You don't want that smoke. Don't do it. I, I'm telling you, I, I'm going to give it to my audience anyway. Uh, so, um, <laughs> this is one of those. This does not represent. Anyone else on this stuff? This is purely Surreal Quinn's thoughts. Yeah. Um, so before, before we get started, I want to wish a happy birthday to my niece, uh, Cree Encarnacion. She's 27 years old. Happy birthday. Love you. Um, and I want to just thank these guys for coming on the show. Back for some more Jordan documentary last dance and I, ha- I have a theory on the last Ready dance. For it. i have a theory on why we're not seeing a lot of the 98 material that rob sat desperately once um the episode of course began <clears throat> with kobe and it you know you had the whole dedication you know they did the rest in peace the uh dedication to kobe at the beginning of the episode jason i air 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 said that other than that, other than that little that um, that dedication that the episode ran as originally um, that the material from Kobe Bryant was that that was all the material that they were going to cut that was the original material. So they didn't they didn't alter any of that material outside the the dedication at the top. Um, so you have the, they they go into the All Star Game, <clears throat> excuse me, ninety eight All Star Game, which would be at the time Jordan's last All Star Game before he uh, came back in 2001, of course. And it's at Madison Square Garden. Um, they go inside the East locker room, Larry Bird's the coach. Uh, that all-star team had Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, uh, Sean Kemp in a, in a Cavs uniform, which was hilarious. Um, Reggie Miller, Tim Hardaway. So it really was a, you know, a throwback, Rick Smith's. Well, I forgot ever made all. I've never thought. I never. I don't even remember Rick Smith ever making an All Star team. But. Well, this follows your Indiana Pacers um, documentary that you're oh, pushing. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> most more All Stars: Reggie Miller and Rick Smith. They can tell, that, tell those locker room stories. The Jordan locker room stories. <laughs> oh, you have you have all of these All Stars in the locker room, but yet Jordan goes out of his way to be like. This little Laker boy is gonna try to make the game a one-on-one game, and uh, I wouldn't. If he missed four shots, he don't care if he misses four shots in a row. He's gonna keep shooting, and he says I wouldn't even pass him the fucking ball after that. I'd be like, dude, you gotta get a rebound, and all you know, talking all this shit about Kobe, and I just wondered. Um, at first, when I viewed it, I looked at it as like, you know, he's shitting on Kobe. After a week has gone past, gone by, I said that 
was he was actually paying Kobe the ultimate respect by focusing in on an 18 year old guy who had never been an all star, who was at the time coming off the bench. Remember, Kobe, those first couple of years, came off the bench for the Lakers. What were your thoughts on that opening and what, he, what Jordan said about Kobe and the whole energy uh, before we even get to the Bird Magic Jordan dynamic, but that whole energy inside the locker room? I'll go first because I'll be brief. I'll let Chad have, have at this one. Um, I hear that, but nah. The way that I originally took that and it's confirmed because I, I saw that too where the director was like, we didn't change anything, basically. They just put the tribute to Kobe and then push it up to the front. But in terms of like how that was cut, it was cut that way for a very specific reason. And it was not to, to honor Kobe's legacy or anything like that or to, to honor honor him. I mean, like, you know, just it's it's it was it was uh Jordan being petty as as he as we've seen pretty much through this enti- entire entire time. And so he just wanted to, to let it be known how he originally viewed Kobe. And that was not <laughs> no part of that conversation had anything to do with respect for the young boy at all. I'm done. Okay. Um, thank you for that. Uh okay, there's a couple of questions you asked in that Sorrell, so let me get there. One, to Rob's point, none of this was done um, to honor Kobe. Let's just be real, okay? Um, This was cut before his death, untimely death. There was only one intention to use Kobe dead or alive. And that was for Kobe's soundbite to say that this guy is the reason I won. There you go. Um, The director said in my interview with Kobe, it's like playing chess. He wasn't giving me anything. The first thing he said, I said, yo, how was it like idolizing Michael Jordan in the sneakers? Like, I didn't like my, I was a magic man. That shit was left off the cutting board. <laughs> right? He went in, he said it took about 15, 20 minutes before he even opened up about Mike. He was talking about all this other stuff in the Lakers and da, 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 da. Nobody cared about that. We just wanted to hear one thing. That was the only intention for Kobe to say, the reason I am who I am is because of Mike. That was the only intention to use Kobe. Um, to your point, though, Surreal, when I watched it, I of course, I don't think the, the goal was to pay homage to Kobe. But when I, I look at Mike in the, the locker room, he looked like just a gossiping girl. Like, we've heard the rumors of how Mike likes to get people on his side and smiles and uses his charisma. Like you saw the other players in the locker room kind of feeling like indifferent about Kobe until Mike brought it up. And he was so fixated on this young boy. There he was. That it was like, damn, do you see something in him? Cause I doubt it would be the same energy with Isaiah Ryder or Harold Minor or whoever, <laughs> all the other supposed to be like Mike's. But it's like this guy was really bothering him. And if you go even further and you look in a game, you know, there's one play he gets the best of Kobe, and they got a couple on each other. But he was so happy he got the best of Kobe. And mind you, put it in context, like you said, this guy is coming off the bench, this 18-year-old right now. Right. So it was really telling to see how much this kid was on his mind because I think Kobe speaks to, and we'll talk about this later, later but like the media, Jordan gets really weird when he's challenged. 
Like he's really weird about that because most people don't challenge him. So I felt like knowing that this kid was coming for blood and possibly trying to embarrass MJ was actually kind of in his head in a sense. So um, I just find it somewhat distasteful. Like when I'm seeing the, um, the, the, the branding before the episode, like this one's going to be very special. This is how much to Kobe. They were late. That, come on. They had about two minutes about Kobe. And the whole time they showed Kobe was in honor of Mike. So I was like, <laughs> okay. Kobe said the reason he is who he is is because of Mike. Then we see footage of Mike scoring on Kobe. But this is honoring Kobe somehow. I didn't get that. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. So that's all I got there. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I will push back. I'm going to push back from a standpoint of I don't think that they wanted, had it. I, I don't think that they wanted to try to honor Kobe Bryant as far as the footage. I only think the only honor they were trying to do is the dedication at the beginning. I don't think the footage was, and that footage was was not to honor Kobe Bryant by, by any stretch of imagination. I don't think that was their intention by any stretch of imagination. What I'm saying though is I think I, I found it just interesting that Mike was, that he was in Mike's head, this 18 year old. That's what I found interesting. Well, I, I think like an important part of viewing this um, show uh, and the conversation that we have about it is thinking about it in terms of intent versus impact, right? Like there was a very specific intent, which I think we all named, um, but the impact particularly of being able to view both of their careers as a whole now and then after the uh, unfortunate death of Kobe, the impact, I think, can broaden your, your perspective of how Jordan was feeling about Kobe at the time and what he could potentially see, what people saw in Kobe. That's the impact of presenting that footage in the way and at the time that it does. The intent is very, very clear. Of, and, of what and, they were trying to get out of that specific um, I couldn't agree more thing. but I want to add one more thing to what Rob is saying intent impact I get it but I think that the intent and in, impact was a little more um, correlated than we're giving it credit for when I watched this documentary and they wanted to talk about Kobe and everything oddly this is the only person that Mike did not talk about in the documentary we heard kobe talk about mike but mike didn't talk about kobe mike talked about dan marley it was ironic to have this relationship but this is the only person in this whole documentary you don't speak about like come on man like put the pieces together like stop playing games we know what the whole intent going back to rob's point the intent was very simple this guy, I admire him. He's my little brother. I want y'all to understand that. He's my little brother. He said that. And I, I'll flip it a little bit. Like, I actually, thank God I didn't hear any of that, the, the hype building up to, to this, because that's not cool. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, when I was listening to the director talk about it and, like, how they didn't cut anything, actually, on the flip kind of shows you 
what what we're dealing with, right? Like that's that's even more. <laughs> Come on. That's yeah, that's that's even like the word that came to my mind, that's even more inhumane, right? Like that's that's I don't know what type of person you would have to be because I know if it was mine, shit, like I'm recutting that. You know, just to just if yep. we want to put this out here, then then I, I I would just recut it if it if it was me. Um, so the fact that it stayed in there, even in light of this tragedy that happened and how this kind of like the global love for for Kobe was spreading, um, kind of like tells you how tunnel vision Michael Jordan is. Real quick, just to highlight that last point, then we're completely done. This is what the director said. When I asked Kobe the question, Kobe first said, yeah, players came to me saying, you said you could beat Mike. Yeah, I said I could beat Mike. But then I find it disrespectful. Pause, cut. (laughs) He didn't say anything about that on a documentary about Kobe saying he could beat Mike. We, this is editing. We took it right from, it's disrespectful to say that, not, yeah, I said I could beat him and he could beat me, none of that. So you have to understand when you're looking at this, don't get caught up in the romanticism of it. Like, what story are we painting? There we go. And this is not even in episode five or six. We've known the story since episode one. Like, I was not offended only because it's been so consistent. Yeah, it's very consistent. I could have been offended. And like you said, it could have been inhumane. And it was a little bit of much for me because it's like I have to separate myself from everyone who loves Jordan and, and like all of this stuff. I'm like, yo, he's tribute. You're doing a tribute to Kobe tonight. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Let's, I'm just like, let's see what's up. So that was like a little disheartening, but it's like, okay, you got to understand what realm we're in right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I do actually appreciate the director um, sharing that with me, that there was some other footage and that there was a whole conversation that Kobe and I had that we'll never see. I do appreciate knowing now, that. And also, I think the director is trying to get some of this off here. Like, like he's, I would have recut this. I would have recut this. I would have. I absolutely would have. But Sir Jordan didn't want that to take place. Yep, understood. So you have, um, <clears throat> you have the Magic Johnson comes in the locker room. You have uh, Magic, Bird, and Jordan. Time, you know, talking shit. Um, we'll get late. I mean, we're gonna get into it later on in the episode with the dream team. Uh, Bird says, you know, tells Jordan, when you, you know, wouldn't you want a piece of that, a piece of that today? And then Magic, Magic retorts, like, I, you know, okay, I will, I will come at y'all. I'll come at both of y'all. Y'all, you know, you basically y'all know what time it is. So, Magic, you know, even though he came in, hugged Jordan, whatever, whatever, still you had that little competitive back and forth with Magic Johnson not, you know, not somewhat not giving an inch to Michael Jordan. What 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 did you take that little exchange as? This is what's interesting for me, right? And I know we'll talk about Isaiah later, yeah. but Isaiah's point was like, this is how it is. The Celtics didn't give me love. You know what I'm saying? Like, we earned it. Old school, we disrespectful, you had to take the throne. So you take in consideration 
Magic and the Dream Team and all of that, he still thought he was the man. And when I watched that, it was the first time me seeing Magic not with the smile and love and stuff. I'm like, ooh, Magic kind of nasty too. Ooh. <laughs> and you got to understand to be the best, there's a level of narcissism. Got to. Yeah. With everybody. Yep. There's a level of arrogance yep. and a one-upmanship that comes with that, right? Right or wrong, that's just the natural territory. You're not seeing a bunch of humble, oh, everybody played great tonight, MVPs. Everybody thinks they're the best until they knock down. You know what I mean? And even when Magic, see, Jordan had to literally take it from Magic because Magic wasn't giving it to him. Even like, you know, the Dream Team stuff, he's like, oh, you can't touch Jordan. Because we got to be very careful when we talk about the Jordan rules. There's, it's a double entendre. It's what the Pistons did, but it's also what the NBA players said was uh, accommodating for Jordan as far as the ref situation. So I felt like Magic's energy was kind of a little bit of bitter, if you will. Like this mofo came out of nowhere when me and Larry Bird made this league. <laughs> By default, I got AIDS or whatever. So, so, so I will kind of let you live. But if I didn't have AIDS, this would still be my league. That's how I kind of took Magic's exchange personally. You know, I'm gonna dial way back from all of that. <laughs> <laughs> way back. Um, to me, this is what this could have been for, like a nice two-episode nostalgia trip, right? Like. This is the stuff that I would like to see, but see it like all like clipped together, right? Like, like take us behind the scenes with, with all the legends when they were, you know, relatively in their primes, talking trash against each other, playing everything like that. That could have been a nice story. I would have really enjoyed all of that. So for this, that little perspective this little moment to peek behind the curtain of just them just back in the back in the locker room like joking around against each other like that was all fair to me that was all above board and um i enjoyed like little i enjoyed like little moments like that and um that's <laughs> that's what would have been very very entertaining for me to see over a nice two episode span let me hold on real quick, real. Behind the curtains. I, I gotta piggyback off of that real quick. To Rob's point, that's how I started the episode. When they started the whole Nike brand and Spike Lee, I was like, okay, I can stay in this lane. Yeah. Right. So this is what we've been begging for. Like, if we're going to go back in the history and just enjoy all he's done, because he's done amazing things, I'm for it. So right before the, like, right after the Kobe stuff, and then I'm watching Spike, and I'm watching this stuff, I said, okay, I'm here. I'm here. So, like, yeah, that raw footage, those anecdotes, that opportunity to see the best of the best, you know, ribbing at each other, that's all cool, man. That was definitely some cool footage, but then, you know, we turned it left. But anyway, it would have been nice to see. I could have watched 48 hours or 72 hours or whatever. But you can't take it out of the context of this of this show i we really have i'm not calling this thing a documentary ever so the show when we take it in the context of this show is such like a minor drop in the bucket because this is somebody's entire ego yep on on blast and 
in in 10 episodes and so it becomes very hard to like view those moments as enjoyable moments because it's entirely michael's ego and so if you are if you are wrapped up in michael's great then perfect this is the best 10 episodes of a show you'll ever see but if you're not wrapped up in that then those moments become glaring because that's what you want to see versus you know what you're getting and when it happens you're like oh there's just so little <laughs> there's just so little of that there's so little of that and so much of i don't even know keep going <laughs> I, don't, I have nothing else on that yeah so they take us to uh the 92 yeah <clears throat> NBA, the 92 nba finals um, the Bulls are coming off a championship. Yeah. Portland had a powerhouse team. They're making their second finals appearance in three years. They lost to Detroit in 90 and the Lakers in 91 in the conference finals. So Portland is in the midst of a nice little run here. Three straight, chan- three straight appearances in the conference finals, two finals appearances in three years. Clyde Drexler, first team all the NBA that year. He finished second in the MVP voting. He averaged uh, career best 25 points, six rebounds, six assists. All-star was at the point, at that point in his career, I think he was like 29 years old. Um, I remember that finals well. And I remember, you know, the buildup with Drexler versus Jordan and even people like Scottie Pippen was making comments saying that, you know, Drexler is kind of like Michael like. He didn't say he was better or nothing like that. He just kind of said he was Michael like. And um, the finals happens. And, you know, Jordan game one, of course, 35 and one half, six threes, 39 in game one. They win the series in six. A um, couple things. Uh, I think that. And I'll talk about what happened to Drexler's career, you know, when after you guys finish. But that that series was two two. That was a two two series. It ends up going six. It was a close game six. It didn't blow Portland out. Uh, I think the series was much more competitive than what people remember. And I think that Drexler, uh, even though he got outplayed, I, you look at the numbers. I mean, he still put up like twenty five. He was putting up good numbers. So I think that. If you go back and look at it, I, I, I think that, you know, Jordan did what he did, clearly outplayed him. But I just don't remember people, I just don't remember people putting Drexler on that level. I, I know, and I, at that point, I was like, who is this, 90, this is 92? I mean, I was watching basketball closely. I, I, I you know, Drexler, I thought he was a good player, all-star. I, 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 I didn't remember, like, people, I, I didn't remember Drexler as being a threat to Michael Jordan's throne as the best player. I didn't like. I like. I don't remember this. Now it's fine. It's fine. Jordan wants to create motivation for himself. That's cool. That's competitive. That's what competitors do. But from a national perspective, it, it kind of seemed like people were trying to put Drexler close to Jordan. I I never saw it that way. So, what are your thoughts on how they depicted this this finals matchup? Drexler? I, I'll go first. I'll be quick. To your point, real Drexler averaged 25, 8 and 5, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. In the Pretty finals. good numbers. Yes. Pretty good numbers in the finals. This is the problem. 
the NBA was trying to create another Magic and Bird type of situation. Unfortunately, Drexler happened to be in the finals. This could have been Mitch Richmond. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been any other two-guard in the Western Conference. And unfortunately for Drexler, who never said, yo, I'm not in Jordan's league. No one, no basketball player has ever thought there was a comparison. Come on, man. This is so this is so disrespectful and insensitive. I was trying to find Drexler's information just to like, yo, come on, man. I feel bad for you. That's so unfair. And Drexel's such a nice guy, too. He's such a nice guy. <laughs> He's not talking trash about anybody. He's looking like, no, I didn't say anything. And George's going for blood. I mean, it could have been Nate McMillan. Like, oh, well, there's rumors that uh, he's – come on, man. We made this whole situation up, and it takes away from Drexel's career. He had a Hall of Fame career. Yes. Top 50 player. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was dope. No one put him on Jordan's level until the media got in there. Jordan only needed to see one news clip, and it was a wrap. And it was unfair. Jordan averaged 35. Clyde averaged 25, which I say both make sense because they're not on the same level. So it was just a wasted moment for me. It's like saying, like, Jordan got the best of Dan Marley because Dan Marley only averaged 10 points in the finals against the Phoenix Suns. In actuality, Drexler did what he's supposed to do. I've been averaging 25 during the regular season, and I got another 25 in the finals. I'm very consistent about what I'm going to give you. Now, if Jordan had to shut him down, if Drexler had to average 8 points or maybe 18 even, I'd have been like, yo, he really demolished him. He didn't. Drexler did what he does. I'm a really good two-guard. I'm a Reggie Miller to you. Where was Terry Porter? That's Where was Terry Porter? <laughs> that's, that's what we need to come out Kevin of Where was Kevin Duckman? <laughs> what would they do it? It's like saying Pippen has a vendetta against Buck Williams. <laughs> okay. This is just not fair. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Like, what are we doing? This is insane. We're trying to have four stories, which is going to be my real quick plug to say, the, the only team the Bulls feared was the Knicks? What the hell? I'm sitting here watching this BS. I'm like, are you serious? Now we're just making it. Now we're just making it. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. I'm not making this up. This happened. Now we're creating villains. We're creating storylines now. The Knicks and Clyde Drexler were really big accomplishments in Jordan's Wikipedia. I get it. Bravo, Jordan. You triumphed. Yeah. <laughs> he, he climbed the Drexler Mountain and defeated him. I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. So, oh, right. so wait, wait, no, real, wait, hold on. I, I, I'm laughing yeah. at Chad. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't get a chance to talk. Okay. So I think there's a couple of things. I think to your point, real, like at the time, there was a national narrative to blend both of what you're saying that needed to be created. Right, um, because there was no natural competitor to to Jordan and the Bulls. There just wasn't, um, and so so each each group they needed to create create. So Drexler kind of got caught up in that. That is what it is for the time, right? Like we understand being older and more mature, we understand why these narratives get created during those moments. 
what again keeps coming up for me is why are we doing this again 30 years later right like like we know what drexler's career is we know jordan's jordan jordan's jordan there 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 is no taking that away no matter how much you build up dan marley and clyde drexler that doesn't move the needle for on any of it for jordan and so then the only conclusion i could come to over and over again is that jordan wanted this in there for a specific reason and that reason more often than not seems to be to be very very petty very petty um and especially like when you bring up a jordan and later dan marley which floored me um and, and try to create or recreate the narrative of what was going on in 1992 um it, it doesn't it doesn't make make a lot of sense and like i said again comes off as competitive so i get your question i get your understanding for what was going on at the time absolutely all that was happening and was happening for a very specific reason why are we talking about this 30 years later when the entire book has been written closed revisited closed revisited again closed over and over and over again I feel that Dan Marley doesn't even know why his name came up. I feel like no Dan clue. was watching it with his he no clue. chilling out. Like, me? He spoke about me, really. I I just, I don't get it. Dan, but like, Rob, Dan Rob, got a whole point, bunch of texts. Nobody called him. He should have been trying to get on every one of them shows. To Rob's yeah. point, this was very intentional. When Jordan had his bucket list. See, Jordan's list is not a regular list. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Not a regular list. Mm -mm. It's not like, yo, this is the topics we have to talk about. He's like, no, mm -mm. this is the, these are the topics, but these are also the players. I swear, Jordan is so crazy. If they had to say, we're not going there with Dan Barley, he's like, we're not doing this then. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan want very specific. Jordan is only going to be 15 seconds. Well, I need those 15 <laughs> seconds. I want people to understand. <laughs> that Krause thought Dan Marley was a good defensive player. And I wanted to prove to him, and I want to show the world once and for all, that Dan Marley was not a good defensive player. Yeah. Accomplished. So we go we go to the um, the dream team, and I'm going to push back on the, uh, Clyde Drexler, because Clyde Drexler, on the surface, was humble, quiet, um, Jack McCollum, the longtime writer of Sports Illustrated, did a whole book on the Dream Team. He's coming out later on this month with podcasts that he recorded on Dream Team members that included Jordan and Clyde Drexler and some of those guys. Clyde Drexler behind the scenes was saying that there was no d real difference between him and Jordan to, my, to Jack McCollum. And he was saying that he has the rings, but I'm just as good. So. But he never said that publicly. I'm, but, not, I'm not doing this. But you didn't know. I'm just saying this. That was 30 years ago. It was. It was. It was. It was. But we I, we I, know. We I, know. We actually know how this ended up. No, I, I have to be fair. To, I have to be fair to the audience by mentioning it. I can't leave that out. Um, fair enough. Fair so, enough. Yeah, I have to be fair about that. So you get to the dream team, and um, this when so all right. The rapid to put a to put a. Um, Hold on, wait, hold on, slow down, slow down. What? How was that fair? Jordan has mounds and mounds and mounds and mounds and mounds and mounds of political and uh, capital to build his entire narrative, right? 
And so Jordan has said over and over again how many people he's better than, over and over again. Clyde might have said something randomly behind the scenes, and that is justification for Jordan <laughs> coming at him. No, on... no, 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 You miss what I'm saying. No. Okay. I, 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 yeah, I did miss saying, that. I, I'm saying, though, I have to be fair in terms of mentioning what Clyde did say about Jordan to Jack McCallum, to my audience. Okay. I, I, I can't leave that out. No, it doesn't justify Jordan coming at Clyde Drexler. I don't even think at the time Jordan didn't even know about these comments came during the dream team. So this was after after the fight. So to Rob's was- point, though, really quickly, if we see a George, a Kobe documentary, do we need to interview Ruben Patterson, who called himself the Kobe stopper because he said that before? Even if there's any point to what Drexler did, we all know Drexler was not on Jordan's level. That's not even debatable. Uh, no, so we—I mean, it wasn't no need to uh, bring up to bring Drexler into this documentary. At no, all. not at all. At all, no. Um, getting to um, so the Drexler the next two years averages like nineteen points a game uh, for the next two years in his prime, which um, and he really wasn't. I mean, he made the All Star team like a couple years later, but after the, after that finals was never All NBA caliber player it was not like it seemed like it was when it was never the same to be honest with you for the uh for the, basically for the remainder of his uh, of his career to kind of put a bow on that um in regards to now the dream team so they get into this um interview with jordan about the dream team and marv albert's interviewing he has a suit on and what have you and basically jordan basically admits to keeping Isaiah Thomas off the team without saying Isaiah Thomas's name. Like Rod Thorne's talking to Jordan saying, you know, they're trying, first of all, they had to talk to give background information. My audience didn't see the documentary. Jordan was not initially going to play on the dream team. They were coming off back-to-back titles. He was talking about he's tired, what have you. Magic tried to convince him. Rod Thorne tried to convince him. Rod Thorne's interviewing Jordan well, not interviewing, but trying to convince Jordan to play on the team. Jordan is basically is asking who's on the team. And it, Rod Thorne's going through these names. And then Rod Thorne, you know, it, the light bulb clicks in Rod Thorne's head that he's waiting for one name to be heard. And he says, the guy that you're thinking about is not going to be on there. And, of course, we knew that guy to be Isaiah Thomas. So then Jordan has the plausible deniability. Well, I, I never said this. And um, there were other people that didn't want, you know, the, the documentary clearly tried to show that there was the world against Isaiah and Jordan's hands basically were clean. But getting back to Jack McCollum, who came out with these, who are coming, who's come out with these podcasts, he has it on tape that Jordan said that Isaiah, that he, that he did not want Isaiah on that team. So that's a lie. According, they were going. Of course, they were going to show that in the documentary. But McCollum has that on on cassette tape that Jordan said that I don't. I want Isaiah on this team, and we clearly know that Jordan and Magic were the main two reasons why Isaiah Thomas was not on the uh, the dream team. Um, my question to you guys is. What, you know, are you satisfied with 
think what, what do you think about Isaiah's reaction to all this and how Isaiah has been portrayed throughout the course of this documentary? Because we all know he should have been on the team by in terms of skill and all that. That's goes without saying. I'll respond first. Um as we as we said last week, I'm fine with Isaiah's responses. I mean, like what else is what else is he gonna say? Um, over over this over this period of time. I haven't I haven't heard any new Isaiah audio um to to that to that point. Uh I, I think like th- my my main takeaway is that um <laughs> is we we already like we already know like we know like this this is this is not a secret so why are we doing this right like we we know jordan did not want him he said in the documentary i don't fuck with isaiah <laughs> like like this like why why are we doing any of these like the back and forth and talking about who anything like that if this was if there was a new angle then it should have been brought up and then people should be damn 30 year old recordings or new record like 30 years like you have them here everybody on tape you can simply ask some question and everybody can can react can react to questions so um the especially i think we talked about last time the dream team stuff was absolutely uh a part of the show so that everybody else could eat off of it that's the other part that you know um i think we we brought up someone brought up in the text and now viewing it through through that lens it's not only self-serving to to michael jordan but it's self-serving to espn and and everybody who can who can follow follow off off of that and so that gives you the ability to bring up so and so and so and then to ask these questions and talk about something that we are like this was that we already know like this was never a disputed fact about their relationship and what happened on the dream team and so this then just becomes fodder for the sports talk machine and like it the 24-hour news cycles to to go in at the same time as being um being michael i mean like that entire dream team sequence to me was was uh was for michael to say i didn't i don't like isaiah just literally just the point blank say it and then they cut the footage however they want to cut it all right i'm done um there's so many different angles to go here (laughs) (laughs) i'll start with this first of all just lazy there was no new footage at all zero and they did a worse job than the dream team documentary so it was lazy I, there was no point of adding this dream team stuff that we already saw a million times over. To Rob's point, after we get past the laziness, there's no new angle, right? One angle could have been, oh, Jordan, you said what about the Pistons before that last game? That would have been cool if that had came out. Even Horace Grant, who on the documentary called them bees, bitches, I was watching a special with him. He said, you know, when I found out that Jordan said that about the Pistons prior to the game and then walking off, I probably wouldn't call them bitches. This is what he literally said. You know what I mean? So that new angle would have been cool. 
then I found it unfair because I'm all about people ter- telling their own narratives. But now when you include me in your narrative, but I can't speak on it, right. that's not cool business. That's not cool business at all, man. Like, don't bring me up if I'm not going to be able to really get in it. Don't take a quick clip. So that's terrible, right? Um, and then lastly, it's phony. So it's so hard to get over things. I, I, I saw Shannon Sharp this week talking about his grandmother and everybody's grandmother said the quote, but the quote was, um, you can only have peace with forgiveness or something I'm paraphrasing. And this goes to my whole thing I'll talk about later when I go on my ramp um, about Jordan being the most sensitive player in NBA history. Not even arguable. Um, it's unfair because if I'm Isaiah, or phony, I should say, I'm so mad right now of this Leave Isaiah Alone tour mm-hmm. that Magic Johnson and Charles Barkley are on. Yeah, Because everybody in the all play, NBA players, all athletes have said, you ain't got to like each other, but we respect the game. John Stockton and Christian Leitner and Jordan just said, I'm the second best player behind Magic. I'm the second best point guard behind Magic Johnson. You said this. I don't need y'all all of a sudden saying, yo, leave Isaiah alone. I'd rather, and I would respect if you just said, yo, he was a nasty dude. We didn't want him. We didn't want him on the team. But right now, no one's taking accountability. Magic's like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Isaiah had a problem with a lot of people. MJ like, nah, I don't know. They didn't like him either. <laughs> Everybody's pointing at everybody else. And it's so hard because Isaiah got to eat that. You know what I mean? So it's just like very disrespectful. I go back and forth as I'm watching this documentary. We'll talk about later with Jordan's comments on the Republican shit about I respected his ignorance when he couldn't even be apologetic or said maybe I would have said something different. Like, oh, it was in jest. I like that defiant Jordan. Just own your shit. If it's real, just say, yo, yeah, I didn't want him on the team, and that's the only way I was going to play on the team. I would have really respected that. So, like, because you didn't give us anything new, it was just a waste of time, and it's bringing up old bitterness unnecessarily. That's all. Yeah. Um, if I was Isaiah, um, and I'm, you're interviewing me about this documentary, I, I think I probably, I just probably would have had to just, I don't know. I might have, I might just had to sit it out. Like, I think Isaiah was in a no-win situation to begin with. I think Isaiah, I see, I think Isaiah's a real dude. Chicago, Southside, you can call Isaiah a lot of things. One thing you would never call him is a phony. Um, Isaiah even mentioned during the course of interviews, like dudes would say something, say something about me, I would approach them and that energy would not be the same. Like, so he was hearing the, all the talk that was behind his back. And, you know, Isaiah's a real nigga to be even, you know, that's that's all it is to it. So if I'm Isaiah, I'm probably like, nah, I'm gonna have to sit this documentary out. As far as I know, he's with the NBA. You know, he's doing NBA TV and all that. But I gotta kind of blame Isaiah a little bit from the standpoint of he was looking to try to eat off this documentary too. He easily could have sat this out. Hold on, real quick. 
so sorry. We talked about this off the air, though. The biggest issue was Isaiah didn't give me what I wanted from a soundbite standpoint. When you watch that replay, Jordan, like, watch him try to change up his answer. No, Isaiah was very PC, but he said, had I known all this stuff was going to happen, sure. I would have shook their hands in the moment we're emotional. His answer was so spot on. Jordan still tried to find a way to spin it. And also, real quick, I want to ask real and to Rob's earlier thing about a new angle. Give me more of this hate that you've told me you have about Isaiah. Is this hate for 30 years based off a handshake? Is that it? That's it. That's all we're talking about. Like, what else did Isaiah do? Did he talk about your mother? Did he kick you? Did you try to get an autograph when you were younger? I need to see that footage. I need to see this developing a relationship, this arc of why I hate this man to this point. I need to see that. And then I can be a little more compelled to see, well, okay, I get this venom that you're spewing in Isaiah. But based off a handshake, that's where we are? Come on, I, I think I think the Jordan hate, and I'm not. It's not excuse. I think the Jordan hate is he, Isaiah, and the, the Pistons kicked their ass three straight years. That's where it's from. I mean, to be honest, like we keep it all in real. So that it, the handshake versus them getting their ass kicked for three straight years by the Pistons, I, I think I definitely would lean towards the the fact that the Pistons dominated them for three years. And Jordan, I think Jordan still hold, holds that. Forget the handshake is is great for. The theatrics, it's an easy angle as far as a narrative to make Isaiah out to be a villain. The bottom line is, when it all comes down to it, no one in the NBA beat Jordan the way the Pistons did. I'm, not talking about I'm talking about just, just beating and knocking him out the playoffs. I'm not even talking about the 30. I'm with you, but I'm saying specifically Isaiah Thomas. They were still trying to get Dumars on the team, and Jordan had a problem with that. What specifically about Isaiah Thomas, not the Pistons, Isaiah Thomas is the issue. And I'm not asking for those answers right now. I'm just saying, in theory, it would have been nice to see some other angles and perspectives of this relationship. That's all. Here, here's my point. And this is why we just can't, we have to stop calling this a documentary. This, this is my angle right now. Because, like, you don't come out of a documentary with questions like that. A documentary answer, like, brings up things, talks about them, answer everything like that. So you have the two principles there. Why are we sitting here imagining why Jordan was frustrated with Isaiah? And why, I, why are we imagining any of this? Agreed. Ask the question. Agreed. Tell the answer. Mystery solved. So the fact that we're still doing this and talking after the episode is already aired. Um, is annoying as all hell. It's annoying. Um, I don't want like we did this thirty years ago. I've done this already. We've had these conversations about why and what and who would da 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 da. The difference now is we have both of them at the same time talking about the same subject on tape. We should not have to guess about any of these things. And every time we guess, the more frustrated I get. Because then why am I doing this? Yep. Why does this exist? <laughs> why? But baiting me. I'm being baited right now. Who made this? <laughs> I mean, I'm we, there. We, He's we, there. We, He's there. We, we listen, we all got we all 
We all got my water. We all got baited and continue to go for the bait. Um, Tony Kukoc. Kukoc! Kukoc. That's Rob's guy. So, Kukoc. Tony Kukoc. Kukoc. Y'all being so disrespectful, right? I was about to call him Kuko. Kuko, yes, Kuko. Um, <laughs> this was the—I mean, this was the one time that Jordan actually gave <sighs> gave him some shine. From the uh-uh. No, 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 no. Oh, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I, I need to stop oh, it right there. Right, you know, you know what? When no, you started no, talking about Kevin Spacey, I knew you was gonna be off. <laughs> hold, on, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, no, really on. quickly. Stop, Even no, before on. you do that, though, every time Jordan goes, yeah, 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 I respect something. Da da da. The immediate thing after, the immediate, he did it with Marley Drexler. Yeah. But Isaiah, everybody he quote unquote gives respect to, he immediately cuts them next. So he's not giving him any respect. No, don't so to, to don't Jordan, that's respect. So that's not respect. That's not respect. That's not respect. that's not respect to Jordan. Not even close. To Jordan, that's respect. So that is not respect. <laughs> it is it isn't. To you. So they go, go through, they go through the cool coach, you know, bashing as far as um, Jerry, the Jerry Krause angle, the game where Pippen and Jordan basically abused him, um, and he scored, I probably I don't know, two points or whatever, whatever. It was not a non-factor. Then they come back when they played in the uh, finals, which I had actually forgot about that. The second game that Kukos played against, played against him, uh, he had 16 points. And then Jordan, you know, gives him a a that a boy for Jordan, basically saying that he, <laughs> he earned some respect with the second with the second. Uh, now to get an audience some back in terms of Tony Kukoc, I think Kukoc's career gets lost with his um, with how with how much he how how much involvement that he had in those championship teams the last three years. Kukoc is a very good player. Uh, Ku coach in a 98 conference finals against the Pacers where the Bulls were challenged. They were, that's the only seven game, game seven in the finals and uh, conference finals. They have 98 uh, Eastern Conference finals. Ku coach was the MVP of that game. He had 21 points, played great. He saved, saved Jordan and saved the team. Um, Ku coach in 94, when Jordan was retired, hit a game winning shot, the famous infamous or infamous of the Scottie Pippen play where he sat down, he sat out to play because he didn't get the play call for him. Kukoc made that game winning shot. So Kukoc had some moments in the playoffs and really um, kind of gets lost in terms of the narrative of those Bulls championship teams, uh, you know, focus on Jordan, Pippen, Rodman. Um, I think yeah, Kukoc was a very good player, their fourth best player. Um, over those courses, over those last three years, and and had a good, had a nice, had a very good career overall in the NBA. He played like 15 years, so um, I think that kind of gets lost. And I'm um, in terms of uh, his narrative, and I'm glad I'm glad that they did bring up the fact that he came back and bounced back in that second game in the championship uh, against the Bulls. So, go ahead. Uh, cool coach. Kuko. Yeah, Kuko. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I find it, I find it funny that you were saying he kind of gets lost in the narrative of history. He got lost in the narrative of this show. 
Kukoc doesn't show up until what episode? Are we in six? six. Yes. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't show up until six, <laughs> and it, they. It basically. I mean, they. They've talked about Kukoc plenty of times. <laughs> they. They. They have definitely talked about him. How much they detested the fact that Jerry Krause thought anything of him. And then when they show him, they the first thing they show him is being abused. And I love how they included Wilbon's comment in there. Cause like uh, like the soundbite, the quick soundbite is um Jordan and uh Pippen were out of line, right? Like out of line. And it's like, oh, they were being mean and and, and then basically then the rest of it is for abusing Kukos the way that they abused him for doing, making him look like a little. So every, every whatever towards Kukoc is, it becomes a slight in a, in a dig. Like if you watch the pattern of how those things, how those things happen, basically there's no defense. Kukoc has no defense. All he gets plays the, the dumb, uh, uh, was it Ukrainian? Um, who didn't know any of this was happening. He didn't understand why any of this was happening. Um, so, uh, uh, and it only lost about. our European audience. No, that's how they painted him. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. Um, that's how they painted him. They didn't even let him talk in his, in his native language. They make him sound like, you know, anyway, there, there's a whole bunch of different. Yeah. So point being, um, a, I was very happy to know that Kukoc is still alive. At a certain yeah. point, I was, I was very, I was doubting it. I was like, "Where's Kukoc? This doesn't make any sense. He's on that '98 team." So I'm happy to see that that he was alive. Um, but uh, to the greater point, that narrative not only was he lost uh, historically, but he was also a lost narrative in in this this documentary. Woo. Okay. Yeah. Kukoc. My man, what I, what I do like about this documentary, it's like a jigsaw puzzle in a sense of <laughs> they give you the pieces, but you have to see the different story that's going on too, right? And um, that was a terrible analogy. Um, this is the issue with the coach thing. It reminded me of the Kobe thing in a minute, in, in a sense. Jordan and Rob, I want to publicly apologize to you. I make a lot of jokes about you being Walter White. No, my friend. That's not even fair. Jordan is a demon. Um, he's Walter White. He's Darth Vader. He's he's Bane. He's fucking Kryptonite. He's the Russian. Um, he's every Arab person in the early two thousands as it relates to Americans. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, you're gonna keep going until you find the most inappropriate. You <laughs> were good. You started with demon. That was good. We were he, there. He's cerebral palsy to Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Jordan, my friends, <laughs> See? is a horrible individual. We talk about Pippen and Jordan, whatever, Man. in the Olympics. But also in that documentary, Barkley's like, yeah, we were all mad about Pippen's contract and this dude. Jordan got everybody on that team riled up. That's point one of Walter White. Here's point two. After the game, and I text you guys this, they come to Jordan about Kukoc. He said, oh, whoa. They said, Scotty said he doesn't even belong in the league. Jordan says, hey, that's not fair. 
That's not fair. That guy has some game. Jordan got them, made them all salivating pit bulls, but then flipped it and went to his brand right after he got his work done. That is the epitome of Walter White. I was like, wow. But the documentary, the way the stories tell, you have to pick what you see. You have to see it and be like, oh, pause. That's it right there. That's the chink in the armor. Cool coach was like, yo. I don't, I don't even know them. I, I thought we would be friends. Thinking, I don't know where I'm going to live. I'm dealing with a war. I'm like 17. And I don't know. They're very physical and aggressive with me. I didn't do anything, man. And then they carry the same hate when he joined the team. It never, yep. it never yep. got to the point. Let's, let's be very clear here. It never got to the point they were like, yo, it's Krause. It's not you. It never got there. Nope. Kukos did say, and I read this somewhere else in another article. Let me let me be clear. It did get there with Scottie Pippen. He said Pippen was, and I think by default, like Pippen beat his ass too, but he was nicer about beating his ass. <laughs> he was like, you know, me and Scotty developed a relationship. He used to always talk about my defense, and my defense wasn't the greatest, but he still took me under his wing, whatever. And I'm like, damn, why did you guys do this to this dude? Had nothing <laughs> zero. Zero. to do with anything. No. I want to see a Kukos documentary. Yep. I, I'm waiting for the Kukos documentary yep. because to Rob and Cyril's point, he's not revered the way he should be, but it's more so in this documentary. We're not going to talk about him being the sixth man. We're not going to talk about the stats and what he did to help propel the Bulls at all. He was everybody in this documentary outside of Michael Jeffrey Jordan is nothing but a pawn. Everyone plays a part for Jordan's legacy. That's all this documentary is showing. That's all. So it was unfortunate for Koo Coaching episode six. We had to talk about his two points and then his 14 points. And then Jordan coming to his rescue and saying, that's not fair for Scotty to say he doesn't belong in the league after we beat his ass. I love the Walter White analogy for a variety of different reasons, but in particular, like the defining characteristic of Walter White as we kind of got to know him over the seasons was just how petty and angry he was at everybody else. Just for, in a lot of cases, imaginary slights, right? Like the biggest thing is um, he wouldn't accept the money from the guy to pay for his cancer because he was upset that he, that Walter White, left the company because of something that didn't even have to do with the guy. So it's just like he created all this anger and animosity towards everybody in order to justify his bad choices, right? And so, like, Jordan, by any stretch of any imagination, is on top of the world. I don't know if we're going to get to Jordan on the couch smoking a cigar in his hotel room going, poor me. Why me? Blah, 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 blah. Um, but uh, by any stretch of that, there is literally nothing and no one Jordan needs to be angry at. Like, no one at all. Zero. He conquered everything. Period. Done. End of story. My life is great. The Jordan story. And we're good. But because he's Walter White, he's Walter White before Walter White, um, Jordan doesn't have a happy place. That's what I think is the overall... Um, my overall takeaway from this. And that's why I love the, the Walter White. Like, there is no happy place with Jordan. 
like at all. I'm gonna use another character for you too, uh, Sap, because we've been doing these wire podcasts uh, lately. Jordan also has some Jimmy McNulty characteristics from a standpoint of great at what they do, committed to what they do, but as people, it doesn't work. For, it doesn't work for others. It doesn't work for their own personal lives. As far as how they deal with people, they're gonna do what's in their, in their own best interest. Fuck everybody else. Yeah, so like the analogy would be like McNulty, the case, Jordan, the, the champ. championship. Right. And yeah. everything else, everything else be damned. The, it's not a problem with that. I get exactly what you're saying. But what this show refuses to show versus what The Wire was showing was how self-destructive those desires were to McNulty. Like over the period of the drama, we get to see like how those things interact and how they are so destructive to personal life. Here's what this, here's what this show, the Jordan show, wants us to believe. They want us to believe in Michael's invincibility, his invulnerability, and his infallibility, all at the exact same time. So again, to Chad's point, everybody is used as a prop. Everybody's used as a prop as an obstacle for Jordan to overcome in order to be great, in order to be like Mike, right? Like in the, in the instance that uh, think of being like Mike, right? Like they use that success and everything to then on one end go, oh, poor Jordan, what was Jordan? These things happen, Jordan's sad, everything like that. But on the upswing of it, Everybody does need to be like Mike because Mike is a winner. Mike gets championship. Mike sits da da da. So it wants its cake. The show wants its cake and wants to eat it too. And so while there there are characteristic traits that I get with McNulty, the problem with this show is it refuses to show the negative aspects to how that is damaging, uh, how that has been damaging in Jordan's personal life. Because up until this point, all we know is. All we know is the stuff that we've known for forever, <laughs> <laughs> which is there's no selfish. No. So we get to um, we get to now the uh, Republicans buy sneakers comment. Um, you have Jesse Helms uh, running for office against uh, the other guy's last name was Gant. Jesse Helms, of course, was a known in North Carolina was a known racist. Uh, Jordan basically refuses to involve himself in that supporting Gantt over, over Helms. Now, again, it's, it's not, it wasn't like, uh, it was just, it was running for office. So Jordan does not support, just kind of tries to stay out of it. Um, you have people in the documentary, uh, Nathan McCall, uh, come at him from that standpoint. Then he makes a mistake with he makes he made a couple of mistakes. He made number one was the Republican buy sneakers comment was a mistake. And also I thought the donating money towards Gantt's campaign was a mistake because it wasn't it was disingenuous. Like you just want to throw some money at it and hope that it was just gonna go away. Even though your mom, you know, even though your mom gave you that advice to do it, 
I still didn't have to do it. Um, what were your thoughts on that? How how that was covered? Uh, how that was covered? Uh, looking back on it years years later, I know Chad, you had a lot on that. Yeah, I mean, um, this I'm not gonna lie. This is a very sensitive subject for me. I mean, this and this honestly is where. <clears throat> it's time to go in like all like everything else all putting all that aside this is actually the meat of every everything we've talked about right here yeah go ahead i mean i I don't know i'll be brief but i think first of all there's a narrative that's floating around that is not accurate about jordan just was all about basketball and wanted to win that's true but jordan was about his brand first and foremost even above basketball. Jordan's about his brand, which included basketball in a sense. But um, what I hated about this situation, um, and, and, and we'll get into the media and Jordan's relationship with the media, is like we get in these conversations in the Black community all the time. All the time. We, we shouldn't try to make certain people who they're not, right? Even Charles Barkley on a lesson though, when he said, I'm not a role model and all of this type of stuff, right? But and the then, fact- And then had an entire advertising campaign built off of that, by the way. Exactly. I thought about that. I was, uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But the bottom line is, and we all are educators on this call right now, um, you are an influencer, whether you want to be or not. Facts. Right? So heavy is the crown. The The-, the the comment that was made in Jess, I could have dealt with in two ways. If the comment wasn't made at all, if he just simply said no comment, I don't want to get into politics. That's one thing. Or two, if in the documentary, he could at least say, you know what? That probably wasn't important, good taste. And being a little bit remorseful of that situation. But I wasn't at all shocked because Jordan has been shown us who he is. I get more frustrated with the apologists uh, when it comes to Jordan and that he's above any type of criticism or ridicule. Um, a known racist, you throw some empty money, you tell your mom, like, look, here, I'll sign a check. You know what I'm saying? And then we sit up here, even in this week, um, uh, Jordan's being sold and cast outside, you know, long lines, against social distancing. Um, The young black man that was killed recently jogging. I'm not asking Jordan to be a politician or an activist, right? But I said, damn, I talked to, and I was watching this with my wife and I hate to like bring up LeBron and all these other players. But when LeBron got that comment from the reporter who said, shut up and dribble. I was like, man, I wonder how Jordan would respond to that comment if they told him to shut up and dribble because he's just an athlete, right? And I, I told you, I was the only kid I knew that did not like Jordan for these reasons. I was very Michael from Good Times militant when I looked at these situations. And then I remember there was a commercial that he did with Nike. And he said, they said that it's God given this talent. No, I worked on it. And he did a whole bunch of other phrases in that. And it bothered me. And I said, damn, what is this dude's line? What is his line? Like, what do you actually care about? I have no idea. And he has this, this, 
I don't know. I, like I said, my, my, my thoughts are very convoluted because I, I look at his power and his influence. And I know I'm not trying to bring up Jay-Z in that sense right now, but I had to like come to grips with certain people that I looked at that had power and influence and what they do with that power and influence. And it's very frustrating to me because I'm like, damn, I can't tell anybody to do with their power and influence. The one thing I took and I'm done after this from that moment is when Jordan, this is the realest moment I've had with him in these six episodes. When he said, well, maybe I'm just not for you. I actually respected that. That was the one line of this whole time. I said, I completely concur with you, sir. I completely, I can't, I'm not mad at anybody. Like, I'm not going to like, yo, you ain't my man if you like Jordan. I don't care about none of that. That was the one line I said, you know what? I can agree with you. I don't fuck with you. I don't like anything about you or your politics or what you supposedly stand for. So you get none of my energy. So anybody else that want to rock with him, that's cool. But when he said that, like, yo, maybe I'm just not for you. You're right. You're not for me. So that's all I took from that. Like, this nigga, you knew what you grew up in. You know what I'm saying? You know you had an opportunity. So it is what it is. So all of that agreed upon. And so I think the angle that that I look at this at is again, like you're like nobody forced you to do this. You're bringing this back up. You're bringing this back up in front of me, and then asking me to to think about it, analyze it, and look at it as a piece of content on on my television screen. And so when I look at it like that, like to me, like like as you were talking, Chad, one thing struck out to me when they were going through you know, Spike Lee and the, the Jordans, the original, everything like that. And there's, there's that initial, again, this is where I struggle with this as a piece of entertainment. There's that initial nostalgic piece, like, oh, I remember those commercials and everything like that. It's cool. And then there's the actual impact, right? Like, I also remember people getting their asses whooped over Jordans. And I remember, you know, people dying over Jordans and everything like that. And so, and so it's, again, this part of, like, we're not going to tell the whole entire story. And it was never as clear as it was here. Like, even damn the gambling. Like, this is the meat of it. Like, this is for real. Like, this was a chance to explore something. And it didn't even necessarily have to be all on Jordan. Like, you could have explored, like, what was going on in North Carolina at this time. What had, like, what did that mean to have this racist motherfucker, like, out here calling us mud, whatever the fuck he was calling us and everything like that? And then what was that impact? And then what was the public outcry, personal and both on Jordan, everything like that? There was so much to explore in here. And to only give it that little bit of time and to just to give it that little light touch. I mean, I expected Jordan's non-denial, denial, and whatever. Like, all of that didn't actually mean anything to me in terms of when you make the, when you make the statement, y'all know who my family is. When you make the statement, um, Republicans buy sneakers, too, way back when. Jordan has always been cemented in my mind of who he is as a person outside of being, being an entertainer, basketball player. So, that, that will always be where it is. He can put every deny, non-denial. And then also I'm like, did it, do we know he sent that check? We're all just really taking him at his word. He said it on camera. And yeah, I bet people could follow up, but did he really? Not just that, that just popped my really? Anyway, um, so, but the, the greater point is like this, this, this is where, uh, this is where a show could potentially become a documentary. 
because you're 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 exploring something, you're digging everything like that. And that's why I refuse to call this a documentary because that was a moment that needed to be explored, and they refused to explore it. So for all the different for all the different reasons that you're saying, particularly because it would make Michael Jordan uncomfortable and it would hurt the Nike brand, and we're not about hurting the Nike brand ever in life. And, Rob, you're completely right. I want to say this real quick, surreal. This is what I love about one of the points Rob made. A lot of times so far, these conversations, these episodes, we've been talking about what we wanted to see, the good, the bad, the ugly. This could have been explored in a way not to make Jordan even a villain, nope. right? When President Obama spoke about it, you saw the discomfort he spoke with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about like, damn, what is the balance? Because once you're up here, they're going to start picking at you and you got to da 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 Everyone's so uncomfortable with the truth and also just talking about Jordan in general. And then Michael Wilbon goes on, I'm watching him on first take about this comment. He said, listen, man, could he have said something different? Possibly, but he's a billionaire. And anybody that tells me that they would want to be a billionaire, I'll tell them they can, they can go to hell. There you go. And like the problem I have with that is like, first of that all, definitely sounds like Wilbon. <laughs> No, I'm telling you. you look up, no, that sounds. No, you know, I don't have to look it up. That, yeah, you can look up the clips, and I said, "Absolutely, this sounds like him." Yep, absolutely. I, I said this. The whole idea of capitalism is white principles, right? So, if we're talking about this individual, me, 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 it's not going to be a lot of us, right? Scary. <laughs> Just like basic mathematics. So we're saying we want to raise a whole bunch of people with the mentality of Jordan. Is that the goal of the black culture? You know what I'm saying? So like, it's, it's a very, it's there, it's very nuanced. I'm not trying to make it all black and white, but it's like, when you have these figures, then you have other people saying, no, I'm all about that too. I'm all about me too. And this is why we are where we are. So it's very detrimental. And now it's like, I told you this before, um, F fucking um, Whitlock about LeBron coming out this week saying he's doing that to separate himself from Jordan and all this other bullshit. What Jordan's done in the last five to six years is he saw the LeBrons, the Chris Pauls, and all these people giving to charity. He's giving empty money. These are nothing but tax write-offs. So I'm not even going to sit up here and say, did he get a check? I know you're saying that in jest, but I'm like, he probably did. But what, what is that? His word and his power and his like that speaks volumes over over whatever money that, that he could. But the big point is three of us are sitting here and having this conversation. That could have been like exactly what you're talking about in a variety of different voices. Black men of all di- black men, women, kid of all different statures and places in life actually having this conversation and being able to speak to it, how powerful would that have been? Right? Like, like, they, like this was rich, a rich amount of material to be explored and be explored in a meaningful way and being explored in a way that did not have to uh, uh, go against the brand, go against Jordan, go against every, everybody, you know, like a, a, a big piece of this as you were as you were talking chad is all right you're a billionaire black man you made it to this one what did what were the sacrifices what were the things that needed to be like there's so many different ways in which to have gone about it um but to to just 
make it as cookie cutter and light touch bullshit is just like shows shows exactly what this is. And this is a show, not a documentary. I'll call it a documentary. No, it's not. It's not, not a doc, it's not a documentary. No, it's not. It's not a documentary. Horace Grant. Um, so Horace Grant, Jordan accuses Horace Grant of basically giving information to Sam Smith. Sam Smith, the uh, legendary Chicago sports writer who was a government investigator, investigative reporter before he in Washington, before he uh, became a sports writer, and who wrote the book The Jordan Rules, which depicted the 1990-91 season and really gave the first taste of this is not a nice guy or this guy this really gave the first the first stain in michael jordan's career per se outside of losing in the beginning of his career um and he says that horace grant he did in the documentary said that uh, jordan says that horace grant gave him the information gave sam smith all this information i did some deep deep diving with that as far as sam smith's perspective sam smith did a podcast um, and basically said it was, you know, he was getting information from a lot of people on that team. Cartwright, Horace Grant. He went to college with the one of the assistant coaches who were, who was on the staff. And this is what Horace, this is what Sam Smith does. He investigates, he's an investigative reporter by nature. So he comes out with that book. First of all, the the whole Horace Grant denies, you know, denies giving 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 any information to Sam Smith uh, in the documentary, and Jordan paints this as you know, is the narrative begins of well, they're trying to not begins but continues of well, this is basically you're at the top, they're trying to tear me down. You had the other brother, I forgot the name of the brother that was on here who was co-signing. He was, oh, he had a, like a gray gold tee, whatever, saying that trying to turn this basically into a black, you know, taking the black man down and shit like that and what have you. Basically co-signing for Jordan. Um, that podcast that, that Sam Smith did in terms of what was going on during that season was telling as far as what, as far as who Jordan was. And um, you could tell that Jordan, you know, Jordan, listen, he got, he, Sam Smith would get, was getting information from Jordan as well. Sam Smith, I don't think people realize, Sam Smith used to play golf with Jordan at times. So the information that was coming out that book was legitimate uh, to me, uh, reviewing, knowing who Sam Smith was and his background. And he's a B, he was a B reporter for Chicago. Those B reporters know what's going on. They're in the locker room, they're traveling, they know they are like, they, they're well sourced for the most part. This is before the blog. Twitter, that that whole that whole ordeal where you could only take information at it with a grain of salt in 2020. Now you actually had to do some real life reporting back 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 then uh, to get this information out. Uh, what are you? What are your thoughts on you know Horace Grant, Sam Smith, and this now seemingly turn that it took in terms of Jordan's reputation? Okay, I'll go first on this one. Um, yes, I, I text you guys, I think I did, um, watching this, it's like, <laughs> it's like the movie Clue. 
first of all, Jordan didn't deny this stuff. He just said who said it. Yeah. Right. No. <laughs> let's let's no. be very clear. No, he did no, he did not deny it. No, but we that's not amplified enough. No, it's not no. Right? He did, he, but that's an important point you made. He did not deny it. So this stuff happened with eight to ten players. <laughs> very peculiar that you only wanted to point out Horace Grant. I mean, you punch Steve Kerr in the face. I would at least say, damn, maybe Steve Kerr said something. I mean, it's like it's a number of Craig Hodges, <laughs> Bill Jackson at times you didn't listen to him. And, you know, Bill Jackson's my whole angle anyway. But I'm like, all of these other personalities, it, it speaks to what Rob was talking about earlier. Like, with, with Jordan's intentional moves, he knows who his targets are. So everything is very specific. The Sam Smith stuff, I want to come at Horace Grant. He said it so matter-of-factly. Oh, Horace Grant said it. That was it. That was the clip. Horace Grant told, and he's the only person on this book that let out all of these locker rumors. You know what I mean? So it was like, okay, first let's address if this is true, what was your thinking? Because there's the, the thing about this, fanatics are apologetic, right? Like they have an insane level of respect and denial that they deal with in loving whoever they love. Right. So the people that love Jordan wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought less of him. He actually might have been elevated in a sense because they would have rationalized, well, no, he beat up these people because he was trying to better them. Yeah. They would have yeah. found a way to spin it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when I'm watching this, I'm like, this is very interesting. And like I told you guys, you know, offline, when Phil Jackson did this with tell-all book with Kobe Bryant, I'm like, okay, well, there's some people who have done these things. We've seen a pattern. And, Jordan, you've made so many enemies. You're not a friend of anybody on your team. So why did you have to just say this has to be Horace Grant because Horace Grant and Sam Smith are cool? Sam Smith is cool with a lot of people. You know what I mean? I just felt like it, it was unnecessary to use this moment to talk about Horace Grant. But it was more so, I just wanted to, and like Rob said this earlier, this is why this is not a documentary. You said, and I quote real, well, not on quote, I'm paraphrasing. I did some digging and I saw a podcast. Who watches a documentary and has to dig? I do not understand this. We all have sent each other other footage, articles, YouTube clips. As we're watching this documentary, <laughs> like, I, like this is like a scavenger hunt that I'm not understanding. <laughs> it's like that this show is Cliff Notes, and we sit up here like, oh, now after watching this, let me go research Ku Coach, Marley, Drexler stats. We're researching everything that he's saying to get to the truth. What is going on? We were invited for dinner, and then we now it's the scavenger hunt. Now we got to go find our food. Like, what? Why? Why? I just came to eat dinner. Why do I have to look for all this? You were just given a recipe. That's it. (laughs) The dinner came with the recipe. Figure it out. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Who are we talking about, horseback? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, like, look, I'm going to be just very consistent on on my on my points. This this one's very very simple to me. Why are we talking about 91, 92, and 93? 
So we can bring up stupid little points like this. The direct cut is literally something, something, Horace Grant. Uh, no, no, no. Something just said to die. And the direct cut immediately. There's no pause. There's no fit. Everything. Horse did it. <laughs> Horse said it. I was like, that's abrupt. That's very definitive. We're not, we're not, nothing. No, just horse did it. Okay. All right. Well, we're, we're here. We know what Jordan's point is. What does everybody else have to, have to say about it? Right. Like, and so like, like it, it's, this one's very clear, right? Like it, it, this, this exists literally for Jordan to say, Horse said it. It's his fault. And then for everybody else to just kind of go and ramble, ramble on and for this to for this to be brought up again uh, for whatever. But this is like directly like when you're like watching again. This is why I would not cause it because just how how this particular. These scenes are cut. They're cut with a very, very, very specific intent. And at no point of it is to actually get to what actually really happened. And who actually said what? That is not the intention of this segment at all. So, um, yeah, Jordan, Jordan thinks horse did it. Yep, that's what I know. Point, point noted. Yeah, I think the media, like the media, it's been interesting to see how this documentary has been covered and talked about uh, from a standpoint that the information that you want to like the deep diving and digging has come from podcasts or old articles. This current media in 20 and 2020 has done nothing to challenge uh, this documentary, which to me, I'm like, I get the fear that the media had on with Jordan in the nineties guys wanted, you know, wanted to interview him or they wanted to be on his good side, what have you, or just, you know, that shit. I don't get the fear in 2020 of why that, that same still, that fear still exists. So I'm, I'm, I tried, I just want everybody to know I tried in my head. I was trying, I was very, very hard trying. But that comment enrages me. It enrages me. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I did. And the reason that it enrages me is because absolutely not. No, we're not going to blame the media. This, this, is, this is a document. This is a quote unquote a documentary. This thing is supposed to answer questions. So this is not on anybody else's plate at all. At all. This is on the <laughs> creators and the makers of it of um of creating something that was generated to it continue the whatever the mythos i mean like that like i like at the end of the day damn all this all this other talk this is this is i was thinking when chad was talking um about uh fanatics and everything like i i, I kind of compare this to like this is this is about the swing voters this this side, Jordan lovers, Jordan. Nobody's gonna move their opinion on Jordan yeah. Yeah. at all, at all. This is about reestablishing that myth with people who might not know the slim sliver in here, the Ohio's, if you will, um, who of undecided voters who who just might be on the fence. This might tip them one way or other. They're hoping it tips them the the Jordan the Jordan way. That's number one. Number two is. Um, 
This is sanctioned and sponsored by the biggest media conglomerates in the world. I mean, like you on your screen, ESPN, Netflix, Disney, Netflix. It doesn't get bigger than that. There's no other, there's like what? You want Fox News to do some deep dive onto like this? There's like, like two small organizations otherwhere that are not owned by Disney and are by the, like, no, 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 no. This thing was created with an agenda and everybody is going to push this agenda. The level of influence we've talked about it that Jordan had then was only so much because he was a player. The level of influence that the Jordan brand has now is enormous compared to what he had then. So who would want to go, go against that? No one. That's the answer. No one. Everybody wants to eat off of this. Everybody is complicit in this. Everybody wants this to go a certain type of way. So damn that. That's what. That's why I. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. Um, this is this. This thing will go a certain way because everybody wants it to go a certain way. Everybody needs it to go a certain way. Also backed by Nike and everything. This has the hugest backing behind it. Yeah. No. Rob said it perfectly. Um, everyone's complicit. This is about big business. This is yep. not, not about the player on the court. Nope. This is not about the old guy, the Washington Wizards. This is about the brand and the money that comes with it. And the mystique also on a lower level, if God, you know, rest his soul, if Prince was living right now, there's certain people that we never got a chance to get inside with. Because we never got a chance to get inside with, the mystique always lives, Right. So anybody that can get anything from Jordan, whether we're talking 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, it's always going to be a big deal. This is why every analyst you've seen has defended everything they've seen because they're still, everyone's still trying to be in this fictitious inner circle with Jordan. This is why I watched the documentary and I was so pissed watching the last two episodes and they're trying to sell the narrative about the media like he was the first athlete or celebrity that, that what the hilarious. what the fuck are we even talking about? That hilarious. Like that's just that that was so disrespectful for me. It's to have your cake and eat it too, right? Like it's like oh, when believe be like Mike, be like Mike meant be perfect. What? No, yeah. no, it didn't. I remember that. Be like Mike was like I wanted to shoot the basketball and be a basketball player. Right and be rich and famous like that. That was the that was the selling. Wasn't nothing about being perfect. So the fact like you can't blame the damn commercial on the mistakes that he made and the reaction of people on the mistakes that he made. Like those two things can't happen simultaneously. The simple fact of the matter is Jordan loved the fame, just like everybody. I loved the fame and I didn't want any of the consequences. And that's the thing. I <laughs> love the fame with no consequences. Yes. And although they talked about in the documentary, there was this passing of the torch when he became bigger than Ali. It's disrespectful when you think about the scrutiny that Muhammad Ali had to go through. Jordan never even could compare how to the bullshit. Him. How dare him? Like, it was like, what are we? Uh, how dare it, how dare we, I know you're going to get into the gambling, but it's like, yeah, anyway, let me, let me stop right there. But I'm just saying, why do we have to find all of these fake ass stories 
And like, I'm laughing. The only thing is, the whole thing has taught me, it's taught me a couple of things I already knew. We would say things like, damn, I wonder how some of these old heads like Michael Jordan would do in the social media era. He wouldn't play. That's how he would do. Jordan would not have been able to make it in this era because he cannot take the public scrutiny about anything. And the stuff they were ever, ever talking to him about was all basketball related to a certain degree. We weren't talking about the off-season gambling. We're saying, hey, we're in the middle of the conference finals right now. Can we put that in perspective? We're not just talking about leisure time. Um, hey, Jordan, you got a game tomorrow, but you're in Atlantic City. Can we talk about that? Is that all fans? I'm sorry. Just want to know. The shit the players do now, this nigga didn't talk to the media for two weeks. Yeah, he did. He put, man, him I said, he put him on timeout. I'm watching Steph Curry have to answer questions about his, his wife on social media. What she said. Yep. Get the fuck out of here. Fuck okay. Jordan. I'm sorry. I'm done. And when are we going to get to the how? And you know what? Let me stop, too. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's a no. That's a perfect segue to the gambling. Uh, so... Fuck Jordan is the perfect segue. <laughs> I want to talk about the some of the game. I want to talk about the fuck Jordan part. <laughs> so Jordan goes to Atlantic City the night before game two of the Eastern Conference semifinals or East Conference Finals against the New York Knicks, Chaz Knicks. Knickerbockers. In nineteen ninety-three when they were championship caliber. Um Championship caliber. Yeah, they were. The Knicks, I thought, I thought the Knicks were going to win that series. I did think the Knicks were going to win that series. They were up 2-0. I thought the Knicks were going to win that series. Um, in game two, he shoots 12-32, 36 points, nine rebounds, in a 96-91 loss. Uh, game three, he had 22 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists, but only was three for 18. And he did not shoot the ball well in game one. Uh, as well. They won game three, of course, it would come back and win the series in six games. But I just wonder how this gambling thing was covered. Uh, articles came out. Um, people on talk radio was talking talking about it. But David Stern, and this is where, you know, again, the power of Jordan, David Stern basically seemingly kind of glossed over it. Like, had a Quasi meeting, and that, and that was it. That was it. Like we're not, you know, we, you, you're involved. You get a, you get a check. You write a check to a guy who ends up in jail, and and you know, fifty-seven thousand dollars. <laughs> you, 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 one of your, one of the bail bondsmen ends up dead. Um, <laughs> so we just go, just glow. We just go. He's like, oh, all right, Mike. Uh, good luck in the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, what was the, what was the guy? Uh, that was, uh, well, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, Real quick, because I'm going to let Chad go in on this one. This is, this is where the impact is actually better than the intent, right? Because it's like all the, all the questions you have about that story are fantastic ones. It's just like, how did he get like how how was this possible that anybody got away? They, they wanted to light touch this one. But the questions they leave are fascinating questions that only lead to dark, dark places. So that's the thing. But this is also another one where they actually do have that on tape. They have David Stern going, you know, well, compared to the 
amount he was making versus the gambling. Who cares? Who, who even cares? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> who even wonders about those things? <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody went against the Golden Boy. It's just, it's just that simple. Nobody went against the Golden Boy. And this is, this is not. This one is not so necessarily Jordan using a power more than the the organizations understanding the power of the black athlete, the back basketball player at that time. They knew they had a golden goose. They just didn't know how many eggs and go like you can lay. So because of that, nobody gets to touch him. Nobody gets to talk to him. Nobody gets to say anything bad or anything negative about him. And when that did happen, like the, the side story of that, I would love to hear more about was when Sam Smith was crying a little bit about how nobody liked him and nobody wanted to talk to him or anything like that. But what was the actual pressure that was put on him by the, the NBA and by all the other collaborators, uh, the advertisers um, that were bound to lose money if Jordan didn't shine like he needed to shine for them? Um, so that that to me would have been like an interesting side story. But on this one, I was like, I know what you're trying to do, Jordan, but this one, this one is leaving some fascinating hope. This one blessed out like the what I was dead by. I was like, damn, I didn't know that. Like, what? Well, Jordan, Jordan, you out here having people killed? Like, how deep does this does this go? Now nah, I'm fascinated. That's what I want to dig up more. So this one actually played the reverse on the way that that it wanted to go for me. All right, I'm done. I don't even have a lot to say because I totally <laughs> agree. This one was like a oops. This this was an accident. This was an accident and it was a gift because I'm sitting here watching this shit. I was like, oh. Three times. <laughs> I, I was like, well, hold on. This is so this, shady. This got accidentally real. This got <laughs> accidentally real. This was like to Rob's point. Not at all the intent. This right here is like Tiger King. <laughs> this gambling situation alone could have been a series. Ooh. It could have been a five-part series just yeah. in this conference finals alone. Yeah. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, even to the point where he's talking to Ma Rashad with the shades on and all this other crazy stuff that's going on when he finally says, I'm ready to talk to the media. But to Rob's earlier point about um, the, the Republican comment, and there's missed opportunities you know without the jokes this was also a missed opportunity when jordan says i don't have a gambling problem i have a competitive problem yeah now we can deep dive into addiction yep you know what i mean like there's a lot of nuggets that could have been revealed and jewels here when you look into the side someone's psyche like when you talk about addiction it's not like it just starts with this person like where where's the where's the, the family tree here of what this competitive nature looks like. And to the point, like, Jordan could be on the call right now. And you're like, yo, I can put a hoodie on tighter than you can. And you'd be like, yo, we just saw the call. Like, I don't, okay. Like, he's just that person that wants to compete and win and gamble at everything. And I'm watching it like, no, we cannot dismiss bodies showing up. Uh, we cannot dismiss that this dude was also supposedly a drug dealer and all of this stuff. He had a little, and everything about the guy looked like Tiger King. He had like a slick back, little Jerry Curl situation or whatever you want to call it, S-Curl. And I'm like, yo. And then, then I, like I said, when I listened to Will Bond, he says, 
Everybody was gambling. If yeah. we look at America and, and the stats on casinos, I said, no, everybody's not gambling in the middle. That's literally like any of us educators having 30-minute lunch break and ended up at, you know, the casinos real quick. Like, no, 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 I got a problem. I just, you know, I had 30 minutes. So I went down there real quick and just got it in, got it out. But it goes back to this combination of... I'm a math teacher. I love math. <laughs> Best mathematics at a casino. This, this combination of the dark side or the real side and the lack of accountability and ownership with this person that you're propelling to be the complete image. I was fascinated when I hear about him just being tired. To the point of like, yo, winning just became a checklist. I'm with him on that. I'm like, damn, that's deep. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, I was just, like I said, that was a gift. Um, I don't know if we'll get that again. It was like Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? The slip up. It was just nice. It was really nice and pretty for me to see this moment and be able to run it back as much as I want to. Because I was like, ooh. Did they? Did he see this episode? I just, I would love to know how Jordan signed off on that. I, I'm just curious. So, well, I said, I mean, like, and that's the problem. Like, with so this is the analogy, surreal. When you were talking about McNulty, Jordan, like being the characters, like it's is the, the gambling is is the is the his competitiveness and how his competitive leads into self destructive behaviors. Th- this is what would have would have been been the appropriate way to or or exploratory way to go about this um but from the addictive personality's mind you it's not a problem it's never a problem so the way to just get signed off on is because he loves that aspect of him he loves that part of him and because he lives in a bubble and people around him probably i mean uh amp this up that that more more so the self-destructive part feeds into the competitive narrative and that's 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 how you can see that part going what has always been fascinating for me is um if it was such if it was about such a competitive thing then um like everything you you would think jordan would be trying to hustle people on the basketball court like at no point in time has anybody ever said Jordan's a great golfer. I haven't even heard Jordan's a good golfer. I haven't even heard Jordan's a scratch golfer. Jordan's an awful golfer where you could take him for lots of money. That that is what it is. And that is the definition of a degenerative, you know, uh problem is something you're compulsively meant to do, even when very, very important things are going, something you compulsively do at the detriment of yourself. Right. Like and like there's not like, yeah, he makes hundreds of millions of dollars now or even at that point in time, millions of dollars. But no millionaire loves losing thousands and thousands of dollars over and over again. And the best part about that piece was the quarter scene. Like a lot of people I see on the media are hyped over the dude going like this. And that was funny. But what's more funny is that Jordan's over there gambling over quarters. And how close a quarter can touch a wall. That's no, fucking sick. You, like, that's you, sick. No, like, that's see, sick. But did you see his reaction when he lost? No, damn the reaction. Jordan is go is gambling with quarters touching a wall. Think about that. 
Hold up, time out, hold up. He's that. gambling with quarters, what looks to be with hundreds or thousands of dollars. Yeah, yes. The court is not oh, about put it all together. Yeah. <laughs> he's he he the gamble is can I get that quarter as close to the wall without touching it? Real money's on the line. That's the bet. What the fuck? Who does that? <laughs> I love it. I love everything about that scene. That was good. I love everything about that. <laughs> this is what you do. <laughs> no, I would love if the security guards directed this documentary. I want their tell-all story. That That's what I want to hear from. That'd be good. That'd but anyway, go ahead, real. Oh man, yeah. No, the, the Smith brothers. <laughs> Smith brothers, yeah, nah. <laughs> Yo, he, no, that he was he. That's what you did, right? <laughs> he, he was so mad. He was so mad. He lost. But it was done. Like this is the part. Like that's that. I mean, like not to trivialize it, but this—that's how you know it's an addictive thing. It's he lost, and instead of doing the sensible thing and just reevaluating his life, like why am I? Gambling with quarters with these two, that who I can fucking stop. Like what? Why am I doing any of this? That's the first part. Then the second one is I can just stop. Like I can just stop. This is stupid. I'm throwing quarters at a wall. I just stop. No, 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 no. That's not how an addict thinks. He, in his sensible mind, what he said was, "Damn that." I bet I could get it closer to the wall, and I'm going to give you guys two more chances off of my one roll on that wall. Because and he is looking like, wait, your first rolls weren't good. I beat you that time. <laughs> now you're going to give me just unlimited chances to get past you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's an addict with a guy like yes. Sex. There you go. More. There, there you so, go. There yeah. you go. Which means, like, I mean, you want somebody like that on the poker table because yeah, you, yeah. you can't wait for somebody like no, that. No, they could not wait to see him That's come terrible. down the hallway. They were waiting to see Jordan come down the hallway. Because <laughs> while you out there playing your game, these day in the back, tossing <laughs> <laughs> your quarters close to the wall so they can get you for $500, you crazy person. <laughs> I'm dying. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. All right. So okay. we get to uh we get to the 93 finals. Um of course we did. Of course we did. Of course. Of course. Who See, didn't need to relive the 93? Yeah, who didn't need to relive uh Barkley versus Jordan in 93? Um uh, great series, uh very close in terms of I mean obviously the six-game series, the cumulative points. Were like tied, it was like 106.7 to 106.7. So it basically, yeah, even series. Um, this gave, gave Barkley his chance to eat off this documentary. If you're gonna lose, lose, you know, if you're gonna lose, lose to Michael. He's the fastest gun in the West, the fastest gun in the NBA at that point. Um, I bring this up because apparently this came out over the course of the week. That he and Barkley are not friends, are no longer friends, and that Barkley criticized him for being a bad owner, and also said that he 
had a bunch of kiss asses in this circle. And I'm like, if you're Charles Barkley, yeah, it's one thing to criticize, you know, it's one thing to criticize him about being an owner, but you say that he, you know, has ass kisses in his circle, you know, what do you expect? Like, what, what do you thought, what was that outcome going to be? And uh, I, I mean, overall, in terms of that, that, that dynamic, I, I just don't think that they were ever really that close in Jordan's eyes, maybe in Barkley's eyes, but not in Jordan's eyes. I, I disagree with you wholeheartedly. I think, okay, you want to put things in context. Those two things did not happen at the same time. He disagreed and made disparaging, not disparaging, he made regular criticisms about some Jordan's moves with the Bobcats. Right. Later on, after being apologetic, he came out talking about Jordan got flunkies around. It wasn't at the same time. Barkley has flip-flopped based off of Jordan's energy. Right. They were friends. Barkley being Barkley, asked questions about the Bobcats. Jordan was offended. Barkley was apologetic. Jordan still was not responsive. Then Barkley goes on to say he has cronies around. And then, like, even when you watch, like, Barkley is still on this somewhat apology tour. He says, you know, I wish that we could be friends again. It's unfortunate, and this and that. I don't completely, I, I said wholeheartedly I disagree with you, but it's like, you make a good point. It's really hard to know who's close to Jordan, right? Because it seems like everyone that's close to him is conditionally close to him. Phil Jackson's never come out to say anything negative about Jordan. He still loves Phil Jackson. You know what I mean? Like the people, there's no one that you know in Jordan's inner circle that has said anything negative about him. No. So it's it's just very, um, very unsettling. And it goes back to what I was telling you about Jordan being the most sensitive player in NBA history. Because I put them together. I'm like, okay, Isaiah didn't do the handshake. Barkley talked about his role as a GM, GM, which was Barkley doing his job. And we lose a friendship over that. You know, so it's just like, damn. Petty is not even a good enough word to describe how he harbors and holds on to certain things. And, like, Rob, when you left, it was like, my question was, Surreal said he doesn't think that they were close as Barkley thought they were. I question who knows what is close to Jordan. Yeah. Because it's like, if we can't have honest conversations as friends, are we friends? No. I don't know what Jordan would define a friend. Jordan's definition of a friend is everyone that tells me how great I am. (laughs) So, whatever. I mean, the so, yeah, like what, what I heard, yes. I mean, like we, we had all heard that for, for a very long time. Um, and so uh, the, thing that, the thing that stuck out to me <laughs> about we're not, we we not going to talk about Marley. Huh? We're not going to talk about Dan. We can talk about Marley. We can get back to Marley. That's all I want to talk That's all I, I mean, everything like the Charles, none of the Charles stuff was new, right? Like at all. Zero. Zero it was new. Um, and, uh, and so the – 
like what what really showed me Jordan's pettiness was Dan Marley, right? Like, cause you know, like you bring up the Phoenix series so that you get that sound bite from Charles, where Charles right. says, you know, I played my best and then Jordan was better, right? Like we've heard right. that. You knew that was coming, yeah. Play that, yeah, yeah. You play that to get that sound bite or whatever. In there, in there. But the thing with Dan Marley, I was like, what? I was like, what? Left field. <laughs> what, Jordan? What are you talking about? And so like, it, it was, it was, it's it was amusing to to watch him and them create like another narrative of something that didn't even exist like ever like no one in the history of the world has ever said Dan Marley was would be a great defender on Jordan or whatever Jordan was was making up and so um you know like we we have a mount like this show will be a 10 episode uh of evidence of how petty and angry and a loner and just you know of jordan is and we'll have all types of that we all we had was the speech was the hall of fame speech now we have you know uh 10 hours of of other things that are on there and so i mean like again a deeper exploration of this would look like the thing that made him great, the winning and being, uh, so being, you know, thinking he's the best and, 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 you know, everybody else is the enemy. How is that fair with him in life? And he's the loner, he's evil, he's bitter, blah, 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 or whatever, like Chad says, he's a demon. Um, and so, so that would have been more of an exploration. In lieu of that, though, what we get is um, just lots and lots of petty, petty shots. And so, yeah, if, Jordan is willing to go after people like Dan Marley and make them enemies for imagined slights than somebody who would be closer as a direct competitor or somebody he might see as somebody who's impeding his progress. I mean, Charles Barkley would have would barely have to say anything to piss Jordan off. But there's honestly nothing outside of to, to what you were saying, Chad, kissing his ass, that's not going to get you on his shit list. Yep. Wasted time. Um, so we haven't seen a lot of The Last Dance, which was 1997, 98. Also the name of the documentary. Oh, yeah, the name of the documentary. Yeah. And thinking about this, in the, over the last episode. It'll be the final one. It'll be number 10. No, what you mean? I've been coming at seven and eight. No, I know the up and I'm sorry. I was talking about when they'll actually get to the last dance, it'll be 10. Yeah, pro- yeah, more, yeah. yeah I, at this point, yeah, they're, you're, you're right, they're right on pace. I just, yeah, I, I just don't think, the reason why we're seeing all this other shit, besides the fact that the, the tear down Jordan, build them up, fight through adversity, the media, and all this other shit. I just don't think they had a lot of material from that season. I just don't think they have a lot of material. And they want, they're trying to stretch this out, stretch out this, uh, that the amount of material they have over the course of 10 episodes. I, I just don't think there's a lot there for 1997-98. There's not a lot there to tell the story that they want to tell. 
there's a lot of there's, there's a lot there, of no, there's, some, there's some yes if we there's, Man, there's not a lot of adversity as it relates to on the court stuff to pull from which is why we're talking about dan marley and <laughs> um you know clyde drexler, clyde drexler uh-huh. we're making these these slopes mountains out of nowhere i'm curious though are we going to show the seattle supersonics finals because that actually was really competitive and gary payton held jordan to 23 points a game you know coming off an of injury when he came into that Not i'm just saying like if you really want to show some adversity maybe but no i doubt yeah. it hey well here, here's what's left in terms of where we at now so the next episode, two episodes, are going to deal with the retirement uh, and give Pippen some shine, a little bit more shine in terms of what he did that season before it was away. I did a podcast on the 95 uh, Game 6 Orlando-Chicago when they beat Chicago. Jordan, in that series, you know, put up some good numbers, but he was bad in Game 6 of that series especially in the, in the fourth quarter, didn't play well in that game where uh, Shaq and them took them out. That would be an opportunity to show a failure. Are, are they going to show that, that Orlando loss? That's the only time they lost from the time they started winning championships or to Orlando in 95. Um, outside of that, there's no failures per se to show as far as, you know, they won three straight after that. Uh, they went to game seven in 98 to uh, Indiana, beat Carl Malone twice for Utah, for Utah 97-98. I mean, we know it's going to end with the last shot. We, we already know that in 98. That's how, that's how it's going to end. Uh, but uh, there's really not – I, I would very interested to see – I mean, they're going to show this baseball thing. Um, I want to yeah, I also want to I want to get back to why he retired because there were a lot of theories going around going around with retirement. Did David Stern suspend him? Did uh, his gambling debt in terms of his father dying because his father goes murdered in the summer of '93? Um, the whole everybody wants to paint the picture the narrative that it was just pure exhaustion. And he was tired of the media. You heard Magic say, y'all tell David Aldridge, y'all going to end up pushing him out because y'all keep picking on him. Yep. So, yeah, I, I wonder if they're going to go more into why he, uh, why he retired that first time. I wonder why you wonder. <laughs> what <are> not? <laughs> As we sit here on the eve of episode seven and eight, They've already foreshadowed what they're going to do. Like you said, the media pushed him out. He was exhausted. He was bullied with these unfair accusations and questions. So he needed some time apart. Um, Like you said, it it will be interesting to see how they play the Orlando Magic situation. I am, you know, um, I like, I'm very curious how they continue to spin situations. That's the only thing that I'm watching at this point. Like, this is fascinating to see how they're turning certain situations and the retirement, you know what I mean, um, and what Pippen was able to do without Jordan. So that is good TV. But they have been stretching this 
Um, Surreal, you said this off offline about, and I'm paraphrasing, this being like a visual Hall of Fame speech, if you will. This is the cinematic version of that. Because when I looked at the Hall of Fame speech, and at the moment people laughed at it, how vindictive it was. But I said, like, damn, Jordan previewed how this story was going to be told with one antidote. In the Hall of Fame speech, he amplified Byron Russell. Who gives a fuck about Byron <laughs> Russell? <laughs> in the speech, he was like, I'll never forget. He told me if I ever come back in the league. Byron Russell! <laughs> He's not even like third team defensive. Like what? And he made that in this speech a big deal. Like I said, if I ever come back, he's gonna have to see me. Byron Russell's gonna have to see you. What about uh fucking uh Wesley? Who's the other guy with the big ears? And Hornacek, who else? So he previewed how he creates these situations, and now we're seeing it in this show form. So um just beware, Rob. When the last dance finally we'll does air, we'll say it. No, I'm telling you though. Oh. When you finally do see the last dance in episode ten, oh, I'm that episode, that part. Go ahead. What? Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. No, I'm saying, I guarantee you, thirty to forty percent of that episode is gonna be about Byron Russell. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Just relax. 30 to 40% of episode 10 is going to be about Byron Russell. That's all. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, when I think about like how this could have been structured, right? Cause like what you, what you said about Jordan in terms of the athlete, he has a pretty spectacular career and just there isn't a lot of adversity. He, he rose at the rate he was supposed to roll. He conquered and then he stayed dominant. Like, like that's, that's pretty close, uh, open, open and shut. The big things to be explored were the other parts of him, right? Like, and, and if you just, just through, like, like just the bullet points would have been um, uh, father's death, gambling, and um, what's the third one? Retirement, right? Like, and, and two of those can, can go, go into it. Oh, no, the, the Republicans wear sneakers. Um, and so we've already seen how they've handled two, two of those. It's just going to be a light touch. This happened, blah, blah, blah. We're just going to go right past in half an hour or so. Um, it will be, I said this to you in a text, Chad, um, it will be what I'm looking to see is how, and it says, this is mean to say, but how they use his father's death. Like, is he so narcissistic to use his father's death as a prop? Of, because everything in this show is structured as this is adversity, Jordan overcame it. This happened, Jordan overcame it. This happened, Jordan overcame it. And so if they can't find an emotional space to go to with that, with that, then, then it, then I'm just like, wow, this, this guy is just full on narcissist. Absolutely. They're not going into any nefarious or whatever. Like, no, none of that has had none, 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 none of that is, is, is happening in there unless it's another happy accident. Um, but I'm, that's what I'm actually really, really interested to see is I know how I would want that to be handled and how I would 
emotionally talk about it and the 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 places that that I would I would go. So um it, it like th- this will actually be very telling for me in terms of what type of person Jordan really really is. Um if he's that much of a narcissist. So I've kind of like flipped my, the idea around of what I'm looking forward to in this series. But you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are, but you do know. Yeah, I do know. But it's just, it's still the shock as, are you going to do that? And the, the how, the how. Because yeah. I yeah. do know, like, like the, the, like this, I mean, like, no, to your to your point. We're too far for there to be some different type of narrative structure or things that are going to go on. Like, no, you I know I, what this is, absolutely. Without a, I, I couldn't agree, no, I couldn't agree with you more. I will say real quick to your point. That's how I approached the episode when I allegedly heard it was going to be a Kobe tribute. I was like, no, this is going to be about Jordan, but I'm curious as how they're going to do it. Uh huh. And then I saw it. Yep. So I still was surprised at how yep. I saw it. Yep. But I was not surprised that I saw it. Yep. So yes. I would be shocked if it was something different. Um <laughs> with the father. But I, yeah. I want to see how, like, not yep. want to see, it just will be interesting to see how he does yep. that. <laughs> Jordan. How a human being can do that. Very confusing. Very be like Mike. <laughs> be like Mike. One last question before I let you go. Uh, we are, it is May 8th, 2020. And we are going, we have gone at least, I would say, uh, 60 days without sports. And I'm not counting the Korean baseball that ESPN is showing. Um, I saw NBA players play live. <laughs> oh. <laughs> horse, they were playing horse a couple weeks back. Yeah. Uh, are we going to see sports in 2021, college or pro? 2021? Like the entire year? No, no, 20, excuse me, 2020, not 2021. For the rest of, 20, 20, for the rest of 2020. I'm going to say yes. I was going to say no. Um, I know they open up some facilities, right? Yes, in the NBA, yep. Um, and I'm not saying yes to say that that's a good decision. I'm just looking at the world we live in, in our society, and us being impatient and privileged. And, um, you know, with the way things are moving, I do think that there's going to be a situation where we'll see some form of sports opening up and things happening because there's so many people and there's so much pressure to get back to business as usual that eventually somebody's going to go out there and take the jump and say, you know what? We are ready. You know, um, here, here I listening to you talk, Chad, here's, here's how I'll frame, how I frame mine. Um, I think it will be yes, but it will be staggered and, um, very piecemeal, and it will be a lot of starts and stops. I I totally agree. 
I yep. do not think we will see anything like an NFL pack stadium and things just yep. going on. Yep. Nope. Not in 2020. Not in 2020. Because what people keep underestimating is, yeah, it's nice to say we want things back and here they are back at it. It's a whole nother thing to rebuild a public's confidence in going there. So can I see empty arena and we're doing this and we're putting this and da 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 like wrestling has been having empty arena stage shows and something like that, but that's not anything I want to see. And so like, so like, yeah, like, like March Madness without the crowd, like, I don't want to watch that. Like, I don't, I don't, I really don't like, like, I don't want to do So anyway, that's, that's what that sports as we knew it before. That's a while off. That's a while off. That's a while off. Yeah, all of that, none of this. And see, this is the problem because we're dealing with, okay, well, see, now we're just talking. Um, we're dealing with privileged white men. In yep. all of this, and so what they can't understand is just because I want it to happen doesn't make it so. Like, this is not something that is built off of your desire and your privilege, like at all. And so until there is easy and consistent testing for everybody and a vaccine that is readily and available to everybody and everybody can feel confident of going back out and either themselves not getting sick or them making somebody else sick, then until that moment, we can't even start talking about seeing the consistent um, sports that, that we saw. There's too many people whose lives are in danger and whose health is in danger to be playing around with this just because I want to see somebody shoot a basketball. Yeah. Perfect answer. I mean, it's real. Fast, I mean, rewind. Nobody on this phone would have been like, you know what? If the NBA stops, they might try to play a game of horse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That would never have come up nope. in conversation. Nope. It shows you to Rob's to amplify Rob's point, the level of desperation and privilege that goes with that. So, yes, we will see some form of sports, but it will not be anything what we know sports to be. You know. In this year, I, I believe. There might be some three-on-three tournaments or some whatever. <laughs> Just East Coast games, division games, situations. Who knows? But it's not going to work anyway because these all players got too many groupies anyway. They would, Like I said, it would have to be a college situation where you all had to live on campus and you can't go home to any of these chicks. And it's, it's ridiculous. Something stupid is going to happen. And it's going to be shown on ESPN. Also, why not keep it an off season? Just extend <laughs> it, and then we just report on. I know this is the last dance podcast. I know, but what's up with your boy Earl Thomas? Like that's 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 entertainment. Let's 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 Ooh. eat off of that. That's Ooh. a whole Ooh. whoa. Yeah. Okay, let's just keep the off season going. We just we'll yeah. come more of those incidents. <laughs> you know what that made me think of? Oh man, Chad, the yeah. already story you tell. You tell. <laughs> that just made me think about it. His wife must have heard that. I was like, not me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Thomas. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there will be sports. Uh, I would predict that the NFL will come back before anybody else. 
I think the NFL. But see, that's why I'm saying, Sorrell, it's, it's just like, and I hear you, and I, I agree with that, but what will it look like? Like, are you saying sports just in terms of, like, the idea and notion of football will be, will be back or the actual game that we've seen on the field for the past few seasons? No, I mean, I, I, it will be no fans in the stands. Uh, from that I'm not watching that. Right. Oh, so you're not, you ain't watch it with no fans in the stands. No, I said I'm not watching that. That's not, not football. No, no. The crowd, like, all of this is a part of it for a reason. Why am I just going to watch the Bills play the Dolphins in an empty arena? What part of the game is that? Yeah. No. I don't want to see that. That's not, that's not football. It just isn't. Then I could just go to the park and watch the kids play. What's <laughs> gonna happen? Yeah, nah, it, yeah. So, it, I mean, therefore, I know it's gonna come back because um, they're greedy and they'll somebody, unfortunately, somebody will get corona and that's, they'll shut it down. But honestly, that's been the most terrifying part about all this. They're all greedy. Like, let's not, yeah. uh, like, this is a billion dollar, like, they all want more yeah. money. Like, that's yeah. not. So the fact that certain organizations early on said we're okay with losing hundreds of millions of dollars, that's that's when you know it's serious. That's when you know it's serious. So the NFL will try. I do not disagree with you at that. But um, if you're playing to empty arenas, how much money are you making? Right. And at what cost? Well, I mean, it depends on the sport. Um, Baseball needs the – the fan revenue more than anybody. No, 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 no. We're not talking about, we're not talking just about need. We're talking about like the infamous saying and a lot of different things of maintaining the lifestyle we're used to. Yep. They're not just like, I'm not just happy having $5 billion. I, I don't want to go back to 3 billion. Like but that's, also, that's a but lot. No, here, but here's, here's the thing about that though. They, yes, they're going to lose money. Not going to be making the same pay, making the same money that they were making. But in their eyes, they'd rather do $3 billion than nothing. No, 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 no. I get that. Go ahead, Chad. No, my main point to what you're saying, Rob, though, is, is, is these are economic principles when you talk about risk management. Mm-hmm. So it's like the bigger picture. When Rob brought up the public trust, God forbid someone, and you said it's real, contracts the coronavirus or something. Now the wait is even longer yep. to come back again. So forget 2021. Now we sit in here 2022, 2023 type of situation. So like that's why you have all of these billionaires losing a lot of money. That shows you how serious that they're taking the situation where it's like, okay, we can't risk it because of that fact. The, the problem is inherent in the question that you asked, Cyril. It's not, not a bad question by you. It's how we think about things, right? You said, when, do you think sports will be back? That's not how we should be thinking about it. It's like, when will the medical profession da, 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 tell us the coronavirus is eradicated to the point where it's safe to go outside? It's safe to engage into athletics again. That should be the thought process, not when we think, but absolutely it's not. And I, I got to leave, but just real quick to Rob's point, though, 
when we're asking questions and we want certain answers is based off our own intentions. I was watching first or whatever, and Stephen A. Smith was like, they were talking about the possibility of the NBA opening back up. And Van Gundy, uh, Jeff Van Gundy made a statement saying it would be messy and mediocre play. Yeah. And Steve, Stephen A. Smith said, well, Jeff is saying that probably because he doesn't want the game to come back. And I'm not knocking him for not wanting the game to come back. And I listen to Stephen A. say, well, why would you make that assertion about Jeff Van Gundy? Because you want the game to come back? You know what I mean? So everybody has their intentions and they're, they're, they're spewing their own perspective based off of what they want. So if you're in favor of the NFL, the NBA coming back, you're going to say, no, I think these players, as long as they get two weeks in to practice and can get their stamina back up and da 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 everybody has a case. But it's like, what are your intentions behind it, right? Because we're talking about the, the trust of the public we didn't even get into the trust in the psyche of the players. That's, I mean, it's not like that would be a universal thing that every <laughs> player is like, yo, let's go and play. That's first and foremost. Some players like, nah, I'm not really trying to put myself in that situation. So it's so nuanced to make these blanket statements about what should or could happen. You know, the bottom line is whether, regardless of how we feel about it, do we think it's going to happen? You know what I mean? And I do think, and when I made a joke about, watching horse and everything because I've seen America and be desperate because we know once we have four um, great weather days in a row, people are going to be outside. We know this is going to happen anyway. So people are going to push the envelope. We will see sports. We will see different things, but it just won't be the same way. Bottom line. So. Good way to end it. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. For this edition of the Real Deal Podcast with Rob Sapp, Cuddy Quinn. Real Deal. You. The Jordan Doc. Fuck uh, Jordan. Four episodes left. Be safe, be healthy. Be <laughs> that was nice. That be was safe nice. out here. Be safe out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely be safe. Don't, yeah, don't go out based on that's, that's I apologize. Yeah, be safe, don't, people. Yeah, don't, do not go out. Do not go out unless you have to. Please. Oh, God bless. Point. As always, this is the Real Deal Podcast with Pseudo Joe Quinn. Uh, Look out for my Wire podcast with Rob Sapp on Sunday. We will be breaking down episode six now. I think the pay, um, episode seven, the uh, one arrest. So we're on episode seven, one arrest. I also came out with a podcast uh, uh, yesterday about game six of the, excuse me, game five in the 1997 NBA Finals, Utah, uh, Utah, Chicago. So you can um, check that out. And of course, this podcast will be available. What time is it now? Eh, before, I, I'll get it out before, um, get it out early tomorrow morning. Be safe. See you next time. I'm out.